Hello, my name is Fliss Gorse. Welcome to Journeys in Jazz, the podcast that explores why jazz is still popular amongst listeners and performers today. In this episode, I'm thrilled to present to you an interview with British jazz bassist Charlie Pine. Brought up in Hertfordshire, Charlie learnt double bass from the age of nine as part of a county-led scheme to encourage children to learn less obvious instruments. She talks of the transition from playing in county youth ensembles to the positives and negatives of studying jazz at the prestigious Guildhall School of music. We also talk about the numerous ensembles Charlie is involved with and how much more awareness there is of women in jazz now and why it's important to champion that. So without further ado, here she is. You're from Hitchin. Yes. Not very far from here really. North is Hertfordshire. It? It's a bit posh. Is it very posh? It's yeah. <laughs> it's an historic market town. You grew up there with quite a musical family um well so my mum always played the piano and she used to play the organ in her village when she was a kid and then she went to Guildhall and did the classical course and had a crazy Russian piano teacher and my dad did the kind of opposite route and was playing in show bands and cabaret clubs and cruise ships so where did they meet they were both working in shops so dad was Ah. working at John Mike Woodwin's in the 80s that was right next door to Richard Reason's Pianos, where Mum got a job fixing pianos and... They had a shop music girl. shop romance. Yeah, they really did. So they already knew about kind of the scene a little bit then. You had two professional musicians yeah. as parents to kind of help guide you. Yeah, I think it's been really helpful for keeping the faith a bit. So when, yeah. when everything feels a bit difficult, go, well, they've done it. They've got a nice house everything and a decent kind of business model so it, I, I always sort of knew it could be done that's so nice and inspiring as well I guess yeah. just to know that oh it's really good and it means I we didn't have the thing that I think lots of my friends have had of their parents going oh but do you want to do like an English degree or something just in case yeah and they were like no just yeah fine go and do music you should probably practice more but go and do music <laughs> and also you should probably practice more I, yeah <laughs> yeah but we all tell ourselves yeah <laughs> we need to practice more we don't need our parents to tell us as well i get maybe we do no i don't know helpful. i was a very complacent child yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was really really lucky hertfordshire when i was growing up had an amazing county music services and they had a real drive around the time when i was in junior school for unusual instruments so bassoons french horns cellos double basses and so I got two years of free double bass lessons and borrowed the school double bass at what age nine so for two years at junior school yeah okay I was supposed to be sharing it with a boy called Andrew Martin his parents didn't ever want to take it home so I just had it all the time (laughs) so your parents would they would come and pick you up yeah I got picked to play the double bass because I was tall and Mm -hmm already could read bass clef a bit because I played the piano a bit okay I didn't I didn't really have lessons on the piano because every time my mum tried to teach me the piano I cried is that a problem (laughs) though with parents teaching like does it yeah definitely I think just because I wanted to do really well and didn't know anything but I was sort of used to being good at things so it was really frustrating did you feel the pressure from them to kind of be good at music not Really, no. I think they sort of thought I was going to do something a bit more academic, mm. and they were a bit surprised when I ended up 
playing music full time. <laughs> I'm proud, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm proud, proud as well, yeah. yeah. That too. The double bass, age nine, for two years. Yeah. Taking it home from school. What kind of stuff were you playing on it? What kind of music? So my, my teacher was really classical. It feels like it's more difficult to get kids to just play through a book of nice tunes now right so so they all expect to be playing pop songs and things but i just did bass's best york editions had a picture of a hippo and a tutu on the front cover great yes perfect you know so you've got dinosaur dance (laughs) the fat lady's waltz you know double basses are big cumbersome things and everything that you play is going to sound like a lumbering hippo so get used to it was kind of the message. <laughs> and it did it for you. Yeah, that's brilliant. Pulled you in, thought, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Well, it's more that, so as soon as you play the bass, you know, so you can get all the way through a tune, you're immediately wanted in every band. So alongside all the school stuff, we had a Saturday morning school, and then there's the youth orchestra, and then the county youth orchestra, which I was in from the age of 14. Okay. And I think it was a, I was sort of really young to be in that as well. I was seventh bass. And there were people much older than me, so that orchestra goes up to 21. So, so I was at the end of the row, and the other, most of the rest of them are kind of 19-year-old boys, which might have helped me stay in the band for longer, actually. That was entertaining. It must have felt pretty exciting to have been the youngest one. Oh, it was great. And it's that thing of, so you're in all these kind of educational things and they sound like educational things. It's fine. Yeah. Everyone's kind of on a level and it's it's all right. And then the County Youth Orchestra, because you've got some people who are just about to go to music college or some people who are at music college, it actually sounds like proper classical music. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good feeling. It's something I miss, actually, because I don't do any classical playing now. But that thing of being in a massive orchestra where everyone's actually really quite good, that was great. That sounds really good. You play jazz a lot now. Yes. So when did that start to happen? So my my parents do quite a lot of sort of function music stuff. And they used to go out as a duo quite regularly to play at weddings and wedding receptions and things like that. And so they started taking me along as a free gift (laughs) when they were playing for people that they knew, you know, like family, friends and stuff who would book them. uh, They started taking me and I'd kind of play the roots. Buy two, get one free. Yeah, kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. So I'd kind of rock up in my best frock and play the root notes, probably not make very much noise and not sound very good, actually. So that, I think the first one of those I did was when I was 12. And then when I was 16, their regular bass player got really, really ill. So I started taking on some of that work. Mm-hmm. So that was playing mainly functions, actually, so pop, more pop music, but jazzy things as well. Um, but I hadn't really had any jazz education as such before I got to music college so it was all kind of guesswork and was it all very definite that you were going to go to music college was that a sort of a decision that you no was sure of no I wanted to run away and join the circus did you I wanted to be in Cirque du Soleil and then we got to the stage where everyone else was doing university applications and things uh, well, this is the time I'm going to apply to be in Cirque du Soleil. And then I looked at the audition requirements. They're all oh, obviously now, this is a thing I now know, 
Um, <laughs> they're all ridiculous multi-instrumentalists of the highest possible standard. And also, you have to be able to do some circus tricks to be in the band. Yeah, I heard you that. You have to be able to tightrope walk or juggle or something. Do a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked at it and went, ah, okay, I'll just go to music college. <laughs> It's like the fallback option. Which sounds ridiculous, now I say it. And when you were auditioning, how did you pick which places to audition? I guess you knew quite a lot about it all, didn't you? Not, From your parents Not really, because no. they... Mum didn't have a very good experience at Guildhall because she had this mad teacher. I think she had a similar thing to me where she, she realised that everyone else was really rich. And she was not really rich. So then that does mean that you miss out on some stuff while you're there. So she didn't have a very nice time. She went and worked in a kebab shop for three years when she came out of college. Dad did a diploma at Trinity, but actually didn't go down that route and mainly did cruise ships and things. So they didn't really have very much experience of the whole music college scene. No. And I guess London, being so near to where you were anyway... And yeah. also being the biggest pool of musicians and all of that sort yeah. of thing seemed like the obvious city. Absolutely, yeah. In. If you can go and live in London, then why would you ever not? Yeah. But because also I'd like left it quite late, I didn't apply to very many places. So I only applied to Trinity and Guildhall. In London, there's four conservatoires, which are yeah. the, the colleges. But the colleges... Blah, sounds so poncy. <laughs> I know it does, but it, it's, it's funny, isn't it, that there are the colleges, yeah. and if you go to the colleges, which are, if you want to get good at playing, and you, you're sort of told you want to go to a conservatoire, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. And then there's the, are you going to then study classical or jazz? Yeah, and exactly. And it's quite yeah. black and white, <laughs> and that's music. Yeah. You're either going to do jazz or do classical. And there is the rest of your life. So you did jazz, didn't you? Yeah, I did the jazz course. So Trinity and Guildhall both had really nice vibes, they're quite different. Basically, Trinity, they didn't let me in because I failed the written. Because I didn't know anything about jazz. We didn't listen to kind of, you know, classic jazz standards at home. So there's a whole written part of the audition about, you know, they'd play you a thing and you'd have to say who's playing from listening to it. I think it was a saxophone and I just wrote down the only saxophone player that I could think of. Yeah. Yeah. Guildhall went a bit more on potential, so I got in. (laughs) Also, I sang in my audition, which I think might have kind of surprised them, and they went, oh, this is weird. All right, let it in and see what it does. Vocals as well, which is amazing to have both skills. Yeah. Isn't it? It's useful. These music colleges, I always wonder and worry about who they let in based on ability versus potential. And it felt like you already had to be in the club almost back then yes. to be able to go on the jazz course. Yeah, Which yeah. is just kind of a shame because it's ruling out most people that might actually be very, very good at it. I agree. Um, it, yeah, there's a set, definitely a, a club. So if you if you did Junior Guildhall, if you were in that, then you'd know the people on the audition panel mm. before you started. If you were in Nijo, National mm. Youth Jazz Orchestra... I think that certainly that would mean that you you were in the right circles of people. Mm. So when you arrive, you're very comfortable because you'll know half the people there anyway because they're in Nijo. Yeah. But also the attitude at Nijo is quite kind of macho and harsh. Mm. Or certainly used to be. I think it, you know. So it feels like you already would have had lots of your corners knocked off before you got there. 
So you're saying it would have been a good thing, perhaps, to have been in Nijo <sighs> and gone through... I mean, yeah. we're getting into that kind of territory of talking about being a girl with a load of guys. Yeah, there's a bit of that. Aren't we, yeah. in a way? A whole other club that I the, wasn't in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Different bodily parts to you, and therefore um, outside of your friendship circle, that's fine. That was definitely a thing. And that's, that's really hard, isn't it? At a time when you don't really know yourself yet. Oh, I can't be part of this because you're all growing beards. <laughs> trying. Trying to grow beards. <laughs> wearing hats. That, yeah, I imagine that's quite hard. Yeah. Well, it was for me. It, yeah, it was for me as well. It's very yeah. strange. And it's, it's funny being more, more of a grown-up, being 33, and looking back and going, oh, they were probably just really insecure. I thought yeah. they were being unfriendly. Ah. Exactly. Okay. Can you see it now in people that you kind of work with or teach or in young people around you? Does it make you more sympathetic? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, mate, you're just you're just shy, aren't you? (laughs) And of course, with the staff at Guildhall, did you find them to be really inclusive and and friendly? Did you find your kind of way there eventually? My individual teachers were amazing. I had two different jazz-based teachers Uh and a classical-based teacher, and they were all lovely, really nice. Uh, The sadly departed Jeff Klein, Mm -hmm. who's... He was just lovely. What a nice man. And then the legend that is Steve Watts. He's like the Zen master of double bass. I love him. Brilliant. He's brilliant. So that was really, really positive. And Pete Churchill was yeah. a wonderful human. There's all sorts of things that I wouldn't be able to do now if I hadn't done that. And all sorts of kinds of music that it would have taken me a lot longer to discover mm. if I hadn't been there with people going, hey, listen to this. Mm. You should play this. Let's play this. Yeah. And that was really exciting. So that introduced me to loads of new stuff. And it was mainly good, um, you know, get a couple of just things that I think if I'd been slightly older might have just kind of been water off a duck's back rather than grating quite so much. Like the, play like a bloke. Can you just play more like a bloke? Do you think that people <laughs> still say that stuff now? I think... In the last couple of years with all the Me Too stuff, people have probably had to take quite a long, hard look at the way that they use language. You know, because this is talking about 15 years ago, and I think that things have progressed quite a lot since then. So, you know, there's all the there's sports campaigns about doing stuff like a girl, isn't there? Stuff like that. That's really good. Mm. Yeah, I think there's less of it. There's, there's been a... a only a couple actually of things on gigs even there was a lady promoter and I was playing with my band with my quartet with my name on the poster and at the end this lady came up to the front of the stage and went weren't they wonderful you see she's as good as any man my band bless them all boys you could I could feel them cringing (laughs) like I I didn't dare look at them but I could feel them all going oh no to their credit, there were some lovely old boys in the audience who I play with quite a lot that all just cracked up laughing. There's just characters around still, aren't there? Yeah, there are still characters around. The singer thing as well, do you ever find that you get pigeonholed with that? I don't sing very much without a double bass in my hands. Wicked, okay. So, so that can see your... Yeah, that hardly yeah. ever happens. If I turn up without an instrument, mm-hmm. so if I like go in to find out where I'm going and then go back for my bass, or if the bass is at the venue, 
already. That's quite interesting because people just assume I'm a singer. I'm with the band. You're the singer, right? We did. I did do one gig with an all-female band just for a function, and the sound guys asked each member of the band as we arrived if we were the singer. Every single person in the whole band. They're like, oh great, so you're the singer? No. Hi, you the singer? No. We didn't have a singer. He didn't have one. (laughs) Great. Was that purposefully all female then? That band? Yeah. Yeah, that was a straight up corporate gimmick. Okay. I mean, it was a great band. It's a really good band. What do you think about these kind of things? All girl bands? All girl stuff. It kind of depends how it's done. If it's, we've got some sexy ladies and they're going to play some music, that's sort of not so great. That's not ideal, is it? That's not really ideal. I mean, one great function band, which is all female, but we wear what we like. It kind of is a gimmick, but it's also like a festival-themed band, so it's a, it's a nice Instagrammable thing, thing to yeah. have at your wedding. And that's fine. I don't mind that at all. When you get into jazz stuff, it's a bit more tricky because you don't always want to be booked because you're a female. Mm. I'd like to be booked because I'm good. It's kind of weird. It, there, there are some things which are kind of championing female musicians... Yeah, because done... we need some representation, and that's, it's kind of cool. Some stuff with Yaz Ahmed you've done so, with that, haven't you? This is a weird one because almost all of my current work stems back to Yaz in some form. Because she is one of the people that I, after Guildhall, I kind of hid a bit because mm-hmm. my head wasn't really in the right place, and she kept booking me for things. The all-girl function band where we all got asked if we were singers, that was one that she was running. So she's kept booking me for stuff. And <laughs> and great, and, and I like her music, and I get to play it sometimes through the people in that band. So one of the other people in that band is Sophie Alloway, mm-hmm. and then she recommended me for a gig which I now do really regularly and then Yaz still books me for things and so does Yaz's partner Noel. So it's really, really nice kind of weird expansion of things. Yeah, Yaz did a project three years ago now called Polyhymnia. It was a commission by the Tomorrow's Warriors and PRS Foundation, I think. And so she wrote this music. The album has just come out. And it's lovely. I have listened and it's, to it. It's, yeah. it's got great reviews and stuff. Mm. It's really cool being on an album which has got quite so much representation. It's great. All, all the pieces are inspired by amazing inspirational women. And so the whole thing was to champion women because uh, Tomorrow's Warriors are really great for championing black and ethnic minority musicians but also female musicians because they've seen that there's a gap. They've gone, oh, let's make, let's make this a nicer place for girls to play. And they've done that and it's really, really cool. And the other all-female thing that I've done, which I'm really proud to be part of, is Interchange, which is Izzy Barrett's ensemble which is great because so so that was another funded thing we got arts council and prs foundation funding for that music new commissioned pieces Mm -hmm. all by fantastic female composers and the band is basically a whole band of band leaders i think it should be called a super group because it is like everyone who's in it is amazing and it's lovely and so we've just released an album as well called donna's secret that's it's amazing. Great. And I, I get to sing on that as well. So I'm, And that's to... just been released. I didn't know about this one. Yeah, yeah. That's, okay. that's just been released officially in September, but I think it's on digital platforms. So you've talked about, I mean, so many different projects and things. <laughs> but the thing that we haven't really talked about is your own much. Yes. We haven't mentioned yours. 
Yeah. We haven't mentioned dancing shadows. Dancing shadows, dancing. maybe. Dancing, dancing yes. Dancing shadows. Dancing. Yes. Dancing. That's my debut. <laughs> and your, yeah, your debut album, which you wrote all of. Yes. It's inspired by many different yeah. kinds of music, I would guess, having listened to it. Yes. Where well, do think... you get all your ideas from? I mean, <laughs> how, how do you write? I think that um, looking at my music after I write it, it ends up with quite a lot of Latin American rhythmic influences, uh-huh. at least, because it's a comfort zone right. for me and what I grew up listening to, lots of Cuban stuff. So okay. I think that I get quite a lot of groove ends up being in there. Yeah. But also I love all the kind of lovely Scandinavian kind of sounds or Bobo stents and mm. all that ECM loveliness. Yes. So that's kind of where the chords end up coming from. In terms of actual writing process, it's normally either a bass line or a tune, whichever one of those comes first, the other one mm. comes second. Yeah. And then I fill in the chords afterwards because I'm not very harmonically minded because both of my instruments are linear instruments uh-huh. and I'm rubbish at the piano. So I kind of put in the root note and the tune and then try and work out what sounds nice in between. And the results are brilliant. Yeah, well, thank you very much. It's good fun. I, I feel like I'm still learning all the time. I do enjoy writing things and then getting them played. It's very good fun. Are you aiming towards another album or anything in the yeah. future? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Big smile on her face <laughs> as well. Yeah, so I've been writing since we recorded that because that's like we released it a year ago. We recorded it the year before that. Yeah, so I've been been writing, but slowly and only when things pop into my brain because I've got no schedule or timetable or deadline. Yes, yeah. I feel like I have got better at writing things that are a bit longer form. So most of the stuff on the album is kind of here's the tune, here's some solos, here's the tune again, and I feel like I've got a bit better at expanding things, so they're a little bit more through composed. There's not quite an album's worth of material yet. Maybe I should just book. A recording date, and then I'll write some sort of pressure on yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's always one way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah, that's exciting though to be doing another album and some lovely yeah. gigs ahead of that, no doubt. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, we played at the London Jazz Festival a couple yes, of weeks you ago. Did. We did. We played at the Spice of Life, which was really fun. It's a nice place to play, isn't it's it? It's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice really sound, good. Nice. Well, yeah, yeah, nice atmosphere. Perfect size. Perfect size. It was great. And we filled it up as well, which was really, really of good. Of course you did. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When the London Jazz Festival on it, it, it's a bit overwhelming probably. Probably a bit nerve-wracking. Yeah. Because there's so many gigs, aren't there? Yeah. So you've got to think, well, is anyone going to come to mine? Every, everyone's nerve-wracking, though. Like, the month before, I can't think properly. And then the week after, I can't do anything. So every gig of yours, yeah. I mean. I think if we yeah. got a run, actually, some gigs in a row, you'd get then, into the... then I'd get into the swing of it, yeah. but because it's kind of one every couple of months for that, because they're hard to organise and the money's never amazing, so I don't want to sort of take up my band members' time. Recording and touring an album of your own music is such an incredible thing to have done. Because it's yeah. not easy in it's any a way, is it? It's a lot of money. There's no money there, is there? You There's can no really, money there. really kind of find yeah. it. It's I not just easy. End up spending it 
I know. At the moment. Yeah. I'd love to get some yeah. funding for the next one, but that's really hard as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I wish you luck. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I'm excited to hear your new things. Thank you very much for taking all of this time to tell me all these oh, lovely stories. Thank you. We should have some lunch. That's a great idea. Thank you, Charlie. Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening to Charlie. Hearing her describe her time studying at Music College was fascinating for me and it's heartening to hear that she feels things are becoming more balanced when it comes to women playing jazz. Charlie's album Dancing Shadows is out now and you can find out more about Charlie on her website www.charliepine.co.uk That concludes this episode of Journeys in Jazz. If you've enjoyed listening, please like and subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Where possible, please rate and review. It really helps to get the word out about this podcast. You can also find us on social media at Journeys in Jazz. I'll be back soon with another brilliant guest. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 